0: Sing it out. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. God, thank you for this time of worship. Thank you, Lord, that you don't quit on us. Lord, thank you for our worship team, both here on the stage and those that are sitting in the audience that love you and want to lead people in worship. Thank you for a church that sings. Thank you for people that that want you and desire to have a relationship with you. Thank you for a pastor that speaks the truth from love, authentically. Pray, God, your blessing on him now. Pray, God, you'd help him to impart everything that, God, you place in his spirit out of his mouth. And that your spirit would lead him, We'll give you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Hey, Barb, can you help Matthew real quick? Um, because the whole entire outline needs to go. Matthew... Chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, if we can load that, Matthew chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Let me rephrase that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, so I was saying it backwards. Matthew 5, 21 through 26, and 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21, Okay, so here's the deal. Um, I love football. How many any of y'all like football? I absolutely love it when a quarterback comes to the offensive line, and he's, he's down in his stance. And uh, some, of, some of the quarterbacks, they'll tell stories of how the defense that they're playing against, their linebacker or whatever, is so good at calling the offense that the, literally the linebacker going, they're running a sweep to the left. They're running a sweep to the left. And the quarterback's going, oh, my gosh, this poor running back. All right, here you go, buddy. And they snap it, and they just get crushed. I mean, that's, what a, that's pretty much what a rookie quarterback's going to do. A rookie quarterback is going to call the play as given to him from the sidelines. But what differentiates a rookie quarterback from a seasoned quarterback is a seasoned quarterback is able to come to the line, hear the linebacker, and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, Omaha, Omaha, and calls a what? An audible, because he recognizes the defense. And he's able to plan a counterattack. And here's the reality. Family, we we need to recognize that we are under attack. Okay? And there is an enemy who seeks to prowl, who does actually prowl, and seeks to destroy us, and seeks to devour us. And, And I believe he actually is devouring us. And he's devouring us one by one, and he's devouring us people by people and family by family. And he is destroying us. He's destroying relationships, he's destroying families, uh, he's destroying churches, and we're sitting there and we're going, well, I guess there's no power in Jesus. No, the reality is we're not recognizing the power that we do possess. So a couple of experiences have been happening to me recently, and maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't, maybe you're going to think of this and go, wow, that sucks for that guy, but maybe you can connect with this a little bit. So recently, I have been in grocery stores or in the mall or at the gas station or at the coffee shop, and I see that person. And you may not have this person in your life. Okay, you may be listening to this and go, man, Pastor Chris has got a rough life. But here's this person. We have known each other for what seems like a long time. We have spent time together in intimate fellowship of Christ. We have come together around the communion table. And I get it. If you're watching on Facebook, you can't see me, but that's why you need to be here on Sundays. (laughs) We gather around the communion table and we pray together. And we come together on Sunday mornings and we go, hey, how's it going? So good to see you. Hey, how's it going? And we literally can do this for years. But then something happens, like a small conflict, a friction. Um... I scuff Cam's shoes. Those are nice shoes, by the way. I'm sorry I did that. And then all of a sudden, it's all off. It's done. It's like it never existed. It's like we never met at the communion table. It's just like we never prayed together. And I've come to discover that adults have this incredible ability to pretend like everything's okay even when it's absolutely horrible and we can put on a mask and smile and say, oh, everything's great and everything's wonderful, even though inside we're dying. And then we never admit it until a funeral happens. And then we sit there and go, wow, it wasn't that big of a deal. I can't believe I allowed blank to get in the way of fellowship. So back to the experiences I've been having over the past couple of weeks. I'm running into people who I have known and loved and spent time with and prayed with, and I see them in the store, and we act like we don't know each other. You ever been there? If you've been there, say yeah. Have you been there? Are there people in your life right now that if you saw them, you would immediately fill with anxiety and seek to turn away? Can anybody relate to this? And in the natural man, that's normal. That's a normal response to conflict and friction. It's called fight or flight. There's only two options in the natural man. So if I have a conflict with somebody... I have two options. I can fight them, and there certainly isn't any shortage of fighting in our friendships, in our families, in our homes, in our churches. Can you all testify? Is there any fighting going on? I mean, there's no fighting going on in our homes, right, honey? (laughs) I want to get personal. 2017 has been the year of fighting in the Carroll household. And I may get in a fight later on because I'm admitting this, but you know what? My wife and I, we have been, we've had a lot of friction in our home. And we've responded in our natural humanity of fight or flight. Maybe parents, husbands, wives. Can anybody relate to this right now? Okay. So we have that first instinct, which is to fight. To lash out. And in a lot of ways, we feel very justified when we do lash out. We're like, I have every reason to lash out. You have no idea what that person did or what they said or what I think they said or what I think they did. Because sometimes we don't even really know. But we think we know. And here's the crazy part. We don't even know what's going on in our own minds, and we think we know what's going on in somebody else's heart and mind. Try that crazy psychology on for a minute. I can't even figure out what's going on in here, and I'm sitting there figuring you out? Please. Okay, so we have this tendency. First instinct is to fight. Second instinct is to just run away. This is the weirdest one. I mean, I get fighting because I'm kind of instinctively a fighter. The flight one is the weirdest one because people will literally just disappear. They're like in your life, and then they're gone. Or you're in their life, and then you're gone. And we act like there isn't this big, giant, gaping hole of fellowship in our heart and in our life. And we act like it's okay. As I've been thinking about Firewheel Bible Fellowship and who we are as a church and who I want us to be in 2018, there is literally one word that is coming to my heart and to my mind and it will not let me go and it will not leave me alone. And if you're going to spend 2018 here and we're going to do this together as a community and by the way, you may right now be thinking, I'm either going to fight or flight. Okay. Um, God help us. Okay. The one word... That I pray starts to like permeate the atmosphere in this place because this is about as real as it gets family. It's the word reconciliation. Okay, let's all say that together reconciliation. Can somebody, what does reconciliation mean? Somebody, please, please not in like overly theological terms because it's already kind of a theologically wordy term. Yes. Bring together, come together. Forgiveness. Make things right. Restore. Okay, so like you find a 1956 Chevy, and it's been eaten up with time, and it's all rested out, the engine block's jacked up, but you want to drive it. What must you first do to that car? You sell it, and you take the money from that and go buy a new car. No, you fix it. <laughs> but that's how we treat relationships, don't we? They get all jacked up, they get all corroded, and we're like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and sell this relationship, this friendship, this marriage... And I'm just going to go buy another one. And I have to ask, where does Jesus get involved at all in that? Is he even kind of involved? So let's talk about Jesus. Um, you think Jesus has something to say about reconciliation? You think Jesus has something to say about reconciliation in our churches, and our families, and our friendships, and our homes, and our communities, and our businesses, places where we work, in our life? I'm hoping right now that right now you're starting to create a list. I hope right now in your mind you're starting to create a list, because we all got them, of people who we have either done wrong, and we, I love that list. It's always really short. <laughs> Isn't that weird? We're like, ah, oh, there's like one or two people. But the people who have done us wrong is like this massively long list typically. My encouragement is flip those scripts, because I have a feeling there's a little bit of self-distortion going on because probably the list of people that you think have done you wrong, probably you're on their list of those who've done them wrong. So I want you to start putting together a list. Matthew five. Oh, this is good. Matthew five, verse 21. Do we have those verses? I love you, Matthew. I'm gonna come give you a high five. Guys, you don't know how hard that is. To to just like wrap this up, Barb. You're amazing. Come on, put your hands together, folks. Thank you, you, brother. Okay, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. How many of y'all agree with that? It's probably wrong to murder. Uh, that is a commandment uh, we're called to love God with all of our heart soul mind and strength and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. and so the 10 commandments kind of break down into those two categories loving God and loving others and the loving others category is murder and we probably shouldn't murder but Jesus expands this concept in saying it's not just plunging a knife into someone's chest because murder is not just committed by gun but by tongue y'all catch that check this out verse 22 but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother. Have any of you <laughs> insulted somebody lately? I sure have. Oh my gosh, this is getting personal. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Raka, you fool. I mean, it's like looking at somebody, they're like less than a person. You've justified hatred in your heart, and we've looked at them, and we've been able to justify either like the the murder gun or murder tongue. Tear them apart. Look what Jesus says. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Why? Because anger, it's the root of murder. And whoever insults his brother is liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the fire of hell, because whoever's saying these things has already murdered them in their heart. Jesus goes on. So, class, this is the thing that's really messing my heart up. If you're offering your gift at the altar, so I realize this isn't the temple, okay? And some of us have this mixed theology of like Israel's temple and the Christian church, and somehow they're together. They're they're different. But we approach the same God, and not through the sacrifice of blood and goats, but through the sacrifice of Christ, okay? It gets kind of deep. But So if you're offering your gift, so we come here together on Sunday morning, and it's a service. We don't come to be served, okay? The purpose is not, I sure hope the service is good today. We're not coming to be served. Like, that's a total American idea. That's a total Western concept, that we're coming here to be served. We're actually coming together to serve God. Like we're coming to bring worship and prayer to God. We're coming to bring our hearts under the authority of his scripture. That's why we're coming here. And it doesn't end here. It's not one day and then we're done. It's throughout the rest of our week. We worship Monday through Sunday. Okay, so we're constantly bringing ourselves under the authority. So we come to serve. So if you're offering your gifts, so if you come to a service to serve, and you come to the altar, and there, remember, this is the one that really messes with us because it's backwards. You would think if you remember that you've done someone someone wrong, then you go fix it. No, listen to this. You remember that your brother has something against you, against you. (laughs) How many of you have people in your life right now who have something against you? I got a good list. <laughs> and I'm going to say that both are applicable, actually. If you have somebody, something against somebody or somebody has something against you, because we're believers, we're going to go above and beyond. And because we have the Holy Spirit of God, the dunami, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, we're going to operate in radical power. So we're going to work in relationships even that we've messed up or others have messed up. Amen? Can we allow that? To, can we work in both directions? So if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember that your brother has something against you. Verse 24. Act like you don't know them. Ignore them. Pretend like that big gaping hole in your life and your relationship is okay. Act like that big gaping hole in the church is totally cool. Act like that big gaping hole in the family photos that are taken during holidays is totally normal. Or... Fight every time you see each other. I mean, verbally attack, tear them down, rip them apart, and then when you actually get into the presence, why not throw blows? Go to town. Because that's what people do when they don't have the Holy Spirit. But we who are possessors of the Holy Spirit leave your gift there before the altar and go. Go do what? (laughs) Go restore the 56 Chevy, go restore that 56 relationship says, go be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What is God prioritizing over what you bring in an act of worship? What is he prioritizing here, family? He's prioritizing relationships. We are so prone to devalue relationships, and it's a survival mechanism, but that survival mechanism, it seems right, and there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. And it's killing us. And the devil's having a heyday. And he's watching as people are being torn apart, relationships are being torn apart, marriages are being torn apart, friends, family, kids just being ripped apart, churches ripped apart, and we're sitting here going, I I, I don't know, Jesus, you don't have any power. And then the reality is we're not actually walking in that power. We're not walking in obedience and submission because this stuff is hard. I'm going to tell you right now, making a phone call to somebody that has something against you is tough especially if you think they don't have a right to have something against you. You ever been in a situation like that? They have no right to have something against me. They, if, they're gonna, if, if, if someone's going to call, they're going to call me. Is that really what God is saying in your life? No, the Holy Spirit of God so works in our life that we ourselves are humbled, we are broken, we are the ones that come under submission in the authority of Christ. We don't demand that somebody else do it first, but we take initiative because we know and we obey 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because this isn't only applicable in our relationship with, with others, this is also applicable in our relationship with Christ. Sometimes we walk down the road and uh, God's there and we act like we don't see him. You ever been there? God, I don't see you. Give him the cold shoulder, all that, hands up, fight or flight. We fight with God or we flee from God. Two very normal reactions. But then there's that moment where the fight or flight leaves and we simply come to him. And we are reconciled with God and we are at peace with God. And family, I want to tell you right now that that reconciliation needs to work its way through our life and into the relationships of those around us. Look what Paul says from now on. Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That is, we no longer look through our carnal eyes. We have given up that right. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we looked at Christ that way. We regard him thus no longer. We recognize that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the king. He is my Lord. Next verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many of you are in Christ and you know it today? Be proud of this. Don't hide this. Come on, y'all. Are you in Christ? Then guess what you are? You're what? A new creation. This is the thing that's messing with me because I know I'm a new creation, but I keep acting like the old creation. What in the world is going on in my spiritual life? 2017 for me was marked by a lot of the old creation. I don't know about you, but I'm really happy 2017's leaving. Anybody else out there? I like want to give it the salute. Uh, I told one guy I wanted to give it the single finger salute, but don't explain it to your kids, but you get it. Um, not my favorite experience. But I think it's because I've been viewing it through as the old creation and not the new. Family, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are new in Christ. That means relationships are to be different. Church experience is supposed to be different. Community life, neighborhoods, everything's supposed to change. Everything. Goes on to say this. Guess who this is all from? (laughs) All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of ignoring others, gave us the ministry of fighting others, Can you give us the ministry of fleeing from others? All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And so here is the word for the year. Reconciliation. Christ reconciled us. I mean, you realize that's what this table is. I went over here first. I'm going to go over here now. I'm walking around a lot this morning. I don't have my Fitbit on. But I, you can imagine the walk I'm doing right now. This is awesome. Okay, so check this out. This is a table of reconciliation. How did Christ reconcile us to the Father? You all are closer. You all should answer. What? Elias, how did Christ reconcile us to the Father? He died on the cross. You, get, you see that? Jesus Christ died. He paid the penalty of sin and death on the cross. He did that so he could reconcile us to the Father. Tell me, pretty, pretty extravagant pain right there, right? Like a willingness to suffer to reconcile us to the Father. And every time we take that communion, it's a reminder that we've been reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Christ. And I want to tell you that that, apart from Christ, is an impossible reconciliation. Apart from Christ, that is an impossible reconciliation. You cannot be reconciled to the Father if not for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is impossible. But because Christ has died for our sins, been buried, and he is resurrected from the dead, and he's at the right hand of the Father, glorified, we have been reconciled to the Father. That means I'm at peace with God the Father. And because the impossible is now possible in Christ, the impossible of healing relationships is now possible in Christ. You all following me? You do say, yeah, because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Who has been given the ministry of reconciliation? Who? All of us. We have been given the ministry. Everybody wants to be in the ministry? Here you go. Here's our first class. Go and be reconciled but that's gonna hurt yes that's gonna be awkward absolutely they might reject me it's starting to sound a lot like the ministry of Christ isn't it maybe we're following in our Savior's footsteps See, this is what I love. The more time we spend with somebody, the more they rub off on us. Do you ever have a friend that, like, if you spend time with them, you start to kind of mimic their mannerisms? Like, I started hanging out in Texas in San Diego, I never said y'all. I said stoked, gnarly, dude, radical. Oh. <laughs> Had all kinds of uses. <laughs> and then I got here and I was like, y'all. What happened? I started hanging out with y'all, <laughs> and y'all started rubbing off on me. And then I hear some of you say, "Stoked and gnarly," and every now and then, I hear, ah. <laughs> well, because you spend time with people, they rub off. We rub off on each other. But when we spend time with Christ, guess what? He's going to rub off on us. Yeah. And when we spend time with Jesus, things that Jesus speaks, the things that Jesus, do, like, performs those miracles, the miracles of reconciliation. I mean, we're going to start doing those things because we're spending time and we're starting to mimic the one we love. And family, I want to encourage us to draw near to Christ in this season. The Bible is clear. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That Love him with everything, man. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this be the year of love. This be the year of reconciliation. Make your list. Start praying over your list. Because right now... We are knocking on the door of 2018. And family, I don't know about you, but by the time we knock on the door of 2019, I want the debt sheet, I want it wiped clean. Don't you? Don't you want the debt that people owe you and the debt that others are owed, don't you want that to be paid in full and wiped clean so that you could walk through the door of 2019 and people go, why are you walking so free? Because I have been reconciled to God. I have been reconciled to every single person I can think of. And I am free. And you know what? So will they be. Amen? Because it ain't just about us, it's about others too, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody said amen? amen? All right, that was pretty painful and painless. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace today. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us. giving us a listening heart, soul, mind. We ask, Lord, that you would do the absolute miraculous. If you were here this morning and you do not have a relationship with God the Father, and please hear me. Look, maybe you've been walking by God for a long time. Maybe you've been hearing about God for a long time and you're just like, eh. Understand. He's still pursuing you. And he loves you. He gave his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins. There is no other way to be reconciled to God. That is no way to have a relationship restored to God without first believing in Jesus Christ. That he died for your sins and he was buried in He rose. And so today, if that's you, and you're like, I want a relationship with God the Father. I want to be reconciled to God. in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried, and I believe that you've risen. Please, Jesus, save my life. Reconcile me to the Father. I want to be restored. I want to know God. I want to be at peace with God, and I want to know that he's at peace with me. That is your heart's prayer today. The Bible has declared that you've just passed from death to eternal life. You've just tapped into the, the stream of living water. You are forever a son or daughter of God, and nothing can pry you from his hand. You are lavished in his love. You are completely forgiven. The debt owed has been wiped clean. That is freedom. And today, Lord Jesus, we come together as a church, a fractured church. There are relationships, Lord. There are friendships, marriages, churches, communities, neighbors, people in our life and our surroundings that we have either fought or we've just fled from. You have entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation, so Holy Spirit, so fill us up. Please prepare their hearts for the conversations that are coming. Please prepare their mind, their soul. We pray that you would powerfully work that we would be ministers of reconciliation. Two thousand eighteen. We love you, Jesus. In your name. We pray. Amen. Okay, I want us to stand together. Um, temptation. Here's your first temptation is to walk out of here and immediately start making phone calls, you might be there. Okay? You might be ready for that. But some of us might jump the gun a little bit. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write a list of names. Okay? And I want you to begin to pray over those names. And if God tells you to call, call. God tells you to make a a lunch appointment, make a lunch appointment. God says, go have coffee, go have coffee. But begin to pray over that list. And we're going to see God do some incredible things in 2018. So now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. To meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are are loved. Now here's the catch. Let's go take that love to every single person in our life and in this world. Go tell the world that they are too. Have a great week.